0: Hello again and welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat, the weekly podcast keeping you up to date on all things anti-nuclear, with an emphasis on empowering you, me, and we the people to an activist response. My name is Libby Halevi, and the reason that I do this podcast every week is because I was one mile away from the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island when it happened and this program is my citizen activist response in the wake of Fukushima to lend my voice to the growing anti-nuclear movement worldwide. Today is Tuesday, November 8, 2011, day 242 since the Fukushima tragedy began on March 11. And here is the latest nuclear news. Last Tuesday, November 1st, just before Nuclear Hot Seat began production, and without my knowledge, residents near the San Onofre Nuclear Power Plant in Orange County, California, heard this. That is the sound of the sirens going off at the San Onofre Nuclear Power Plant. What happened was there was an an ammonia leak. It was non-radioactive, but there was an ammonia leak which prompted an emergency alert and precautionary evacuation of nearby workers before it was contained later on Tuesday. Uh, The workers stopped the leak by 5 p.m., about two hours after it was detected in a storage tank. Uh, This is according to the plant's engineering manager, Todd Adler. The emergency alert was required because fumes could prevent access to certain areas of the plant, according to Adler. Now, the alert, which is listed uh, in this article from the Huffington Post as, quote-unquote, the second lowest of four federal classifications – For emergencies at commercial nuclear power plants, which could, of course, also be referred to as the third highest classification for emergencies at a commercial nuclear power plant, but it was canceled uh, approximately three hours after it began, and the evacuated workers were allowed to return. According to Adler, it's a chemical spill that could happen at any industrial facility. The cause of the leak was under investigation. There's no word yet of the cause or the implications to the overall safety at San Onofre, which has had three safety problems reported to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission in the last 12 months. Just so that you know, the plant is located 45 miles north of San Diego, north of San Diego, just south of San Clemente, and approximately 80 miles from where I sit doing nuclear hot seat right now. The bug-out bag is already in the trunk of the car. More news from the United States. The quake hit North Anna nuclear reactor in Virginia has yet to restart. And according to the NRC lead inspector at North Anna, reviews are in progress. However, the staff has not identified any significant safety concerns after the quake. Now, note that the NRC is always talking about significant safety concerns as opposed to I think everything is significant around a nuclear plant, even insignificant safety concerns. But in any case, the NRC official overseeing the inspection team said the plant operators were directed by the NRC, quote, to perform inspections on the underground steam tunnel and on support struts, holding up one of the nuclear reactor pressure vessels. And the company had not adequately inspected those areas, so that is why the plant has not reopened, according to this However, the NRC qualifies the statement by saying it found no significant problems again with this, with this report that they were doing the company sent small robots into the pool that holds nuclear fuel in the unit two reactor and found no damage to the contamination structure or the nuclear fuel according to a dominion spokesman that's the operating company Uh, the nrc told the company that it did not need to perform similar inspections inside the unit one reactor and it's unclear why only one will be inspected um even if they found that Unit 2 was in great shape, there's no way to guarantee that damage did not occur at Unit 1. And then there are all the pipes that run underneath that have not been inspected. Uh, two nuclear reactors that were shaken to twice their design specifications uh in a related story the um project on government oversight uh pogo interesting for those of us who remember the cartoon strip um is uh drawing the attention of the government to documents that may be relevant to the siting and licensing of the dominion virginia powers N- north anna power station and its implication for the plant's restart following the earthquake uh, the papers that POGO wants to access are under lock and key at the University of Virginia Library, and uh, when they requested on October 26th that the University Library furnish these documents, the librarian said that she could not provide access to records because after 9-11, the NRC sealed many records involving safety and security vulnerabilities of nuclear power plants as being critical infrastructure information. So in other words, we don't want the terrorists to get that information, but our own regulatory committees and uh, oversight commissions uh, don't have access to it either. Uh, POGO is asking that the NRC make the documents public because the earthquake significantly exceeded the design basis of the site. The decision to start the North Anna reactor should be subject to a license amendment and not simply an NRC staff decision. Such an amendment would allow for public hearings and a formal decision by the NRC itself. Um, Just to remind you, as we've covered here on Nuclear Hot Seat before, the earthquake, which was a 5.8, exceeded the plant's design basis by a factor of two. Both of these plants are over 30 years old, and each one has received a 20-year extension from the NRC, which is way beyond the 40 years they were built to withstand. Now, there was a wonderful extensive uh, investigative journalistic piece that appeared this past Sunday in the St. Petersburg Times. And this is a Pulitzer-worthy article. I will be posting a link to it on the Nuclear Hot Seat uh, group page on Facebook. Uh, this is about in March of 2009. Progress Energy was about to cut a big hole in the concrete building that shields the nuclear reactor at the Crystal River nuclear plant. Um As they did so, Charles Hovey, an experienced construction foreman who had worked on similar projects at other nuclear plants, wrote an email to the project supervisors. Uh, And in it, he addressed Progress, the company, and he observed that the company was planning to use different procedures to cut into its containment building. A direct quote from his email, "'I have never heard of it being done like this before, and I just want to express my concerns to you one last time.'" meaning he had said so before. Progress considered Hovey's point and then went ahead with its plan that fall. Disaster followed. Workers discovered a crack in the wall while cutting the 25-by-27-foot hole through the 42-inch thick concrete. A later repair attempt created a second crack. The plant has been shut down ever since, and Progress will not restart the plant for at least another two more years, if ever. The price tag for the fix is $2.5 billion and rising. But since the accident, progress officials have argued that customers should be faced to help pay for the damage since no one could have reasonably foreseen the problems. Of course, the problems were foreseen; they were warned against, and progress chose to ignore it this is It's an extensive story uh, i don't want to step on the copyright any more than I have, but it 's in the St Petersburg Times from this last um, this last sunday and I strongly urge you to read it because it just shows the uh, the hubris of those who run nuclear power plants Now, I would like to Turn our attention to uh, our guest interview this week. Dr. Jeanette Sherman specializes in internal medicine and toxicology, with an emphasis on chemicals and nuclear radiation that causes illness, including cancer and birth defects. She is an author of several books and the contributing editor of Chernobyl: Consequences of the Catastrophe for People and Nature. Dr. Sherman's principal aim, as listed on her website, is in medicine uh, to determine the cause of illnesses and prevent harm to our fellow humans and to the environment. Dr. Sherman, welcome to Nuclear Hot Seat.
1: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here.
0: It's, I'm delighted to have you here as well. Now. There's been a lot of confusion in the general public about the effects of radiation, what levels are dangerous, and what we experienced in the wake of Fukushima. Can you start by just giving us a basic orientation to the effects of radioisotope exposures?
1: Well, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and the Nas- I'm sorry, the National Academy of Sciences has come out very clearly that any exposure to nuclear radiation, whether it's a CT scan, an X-ray, or radioisotopes from uh, a nuclear power plant are, are harmful, and every exposure is cumulative. So it's very important that all exposures be uh, avoided and minimized as, as much as possible.
0: Given that there was tremendous increase in radiation releases from uh, Fukushima that did make their way over here to the United States. What, if any, changes in um, in our health uh, do you expect or are anticipated as a result of the radiation?
1: Well, my colleague um, uh, Joseph Mangano and I published an article about the increase in the deaths of babies one year and younger in seven cities along the West Coast. We were pilloried and attacked viciously because they said we were uh, fear-mongering and we didn't know what we were doing. So we thought, well, we better, you know, look at this again. So we went back and expanded the database extensively and looked at all the numbers again rewrote a new article, or wrote wrote a new article, submitted it for peer-review publication to a professional journal, and it's been accepted, and it will be published in January of uh, 2012. Uh, After we did our study of childhood deaths, it was also confirmed that British Columbia is seeing an increase in the baby's deaths, children one year and younger, and we know that those that are the most vulnerable the the unborn and the neonates so and we've been trying to get data from uh, Alaska, but have not been successful yet.
0: and what was the source of the data that you used for the study?
1: <laughs> we used EPA and um, EPA data and CDC, the Center for Disease Control, we used u s governmental data, nothing that we dreamed up ourselves.
0: You know, I did have uh, previous reports about this on uh, nuclear hot seat to get the information out, and thank you very much for having done that research and been this diligent about putting it out in a way that people cannot ignore because of the dangers. Has there been any kind of follow-up to that for the period of time beyond the initial exposure to the radiation plume?
1: Well, we're looking at data now about uh, covering the entire population, not just uh, neonates. So we're we're now working on that and trying, and we'll be writing another article about it, including the entire population. Of course, the most vulnerable are the elderly and um, babies under one year. Mm
0: -hmm. And is there uh, have you located uh, beyond the problems that uh, neonates were having? Um, any geographical location or geographical spikes
1: well right now we're we're looking at the, the entire United States, and I will get back to you as soon as we have all the numbers completely uh nailed down
0: and and we will welcome that information and get it out as widely as we possibly can because we have people downloading this podcast in japan in europe uh and in Central America besides North america uh, now what Parallels are showing up in health, if you're familiar with it, uh, between Fukushima and Chernobyl, with which you're so familiar.
1: Well, unless we stop the earth from turning, and unless we, you know, stop chemistry, uh, physics, and biology from functioning, you know, from being real sciences, it's very considered that the um, meltdowns. Plural, in Fukushima will be far more serious and affect the population uh, in Japan more so than uh, Chernobyl. And Chernobyl, of course, is still ongoing, and there, is been, there has been no end yet in the effects from Chernobyl. But Fukushima, uh, Japan, is, has much higher density population in the area than did, than, did Chernobyl. And they really have not been able to fully evacuate people who were receiving the the fallout from the ongoing um, meltdown of the reactors.
0: So it's really a
1: very sad and very tragic situation in Japan.
0: Also, it's been shocking the extent to which the government has lied or reassured, and TEPCO has reassured the people that they really were under no danger. Um, so that even if there were steps they could have taken to protect and preserve their health, um, they were dissuaded from doing it because it really wasn't necessary, and they were being alarmist.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, they did—they have downplayed the the effects, as did the governments you know of Ukraine, Belarus and Russia when Chernobyl happens and as the United States did at Three Mile Island so it's you know the government really is on the side of the the nuclear industry in many cases and there has usually been a delay in getting out information to the public
0: so what are you aware of that we need to be doing? Um, certainly, in the wake of Fukushima, with the ongoing radiation releases, but also just in general to protect ourselves from the radiation that is making its way into the soil, the water, and the rest of our environment.
1: Well, it's it's almost impossible to do this. Um, you know, I I urge people to get themselves a Geiger counter, test their you know test their food. Uh, certainly, your program and your activities in keeping the public informed is extremely important. We need the public to to be alert and know what 's going on and certainly, all the efforts to close um, San Onofre and Diablo Canyon along the west coast I think are very important but there's uh, you know if you're worried about doing something about an immediate exposure, the iodine tablets have to be taken within 12 hours. Now, we had a, a law passed by the U.S. Congress saying that uh, nuclear power plants in this country, of which there are 104, should have and must have um, ion, you know, potassium iodide tablets and distributed to the population. Well, not a single one has been you know, distributed to the population in this country. And if you're waiting until there's a meltdown to get them, it's too late.
0: Right. We like to point out here that there's a population, uh, within a 50 mile radius if we're to take the radius used, um, for American citizens around Fukushima. In a 50 mile radius around San Onofre, there's a population of between seven and a half and eight and a half million people. All of whom will be trying to get on the exact same freeway at the exact same time. So uh, evacuation is not a possibility, and certainly mobility to get iodine tablets into people's hands um, is not a possibility either. Are there any kind of preparations we can make ahead of time that that would at least set us up for having a shot at, at coming through in the best possible shape?
1: Well, the, I think probably it's going to say shelter in place, as uh, because as you point out, it's impossible to evacuate that that number of people and if people can get their you know have potassium iodide tablets from their own family physician and have them on particularly on hand for children is probably a good idea
0: now i have um a very odd set of questions i recently watched a um a documentary i think it was a nature program and it was about wildlife in the chernobyl exclusion zone and they were showing uh, the wolves and the other animals, and there was an entire ecology that had grown up, even though it was radioactive, it remains radioactive. I know that if, uh, for example, a boar dies in in, um, uh, Chernobyl, in the exclusion zone and has to be taken out, it must be treated like radioactive waste. Yet they're living there. They are surviving there.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And I'm wondering what are the implications? I mean, if we get if we get hit with radiation, is that guaranteed cancer? Is it guaranteed death? Will some of us develop the ability to uh, become immune to the effects of radiation?
1: Well, the, some of the most important work that's been done on the animals in the exclusion zone have been done by Dr. Timothy Mousseau, who is uh, at the University of South Carolina. And... Uh, a uh, doctor Moeller who is in France, and they have studied um, insects and birds and uh, plants and other, you know, an- another uh, life growing in Chernobyl. Not every animal species has been studied, but but uh, wild and domestic animals have been studied: fish, birds, fungi, bacteria, viruses. Uh, plants, etc., have been studied, and without exception, all were altered. Some of them permanently. Uh, they have found, for instance, that the brain weights of birds that are endemic to the Fukushima—I'm sorry, to the Chernobyl uh, exclusion zone—are smaller than the birds have smaller brains than the birds outside of this zone so although some animals are living there that doesn't mean that they haven't been harmed uh, a study on voles which are little mouse-like creatures have shown that it takes about tw- that the changes in those animals persisted for 20 generations so we are damaging the dna of you know of um, life on this planet with these um, nuclear releases
0: And of course, so many of the decisions that are being made, as you heard from some of the previous stories, are simply based on, gee, let's do whatever's cheapest so we can save the money and pass the cost on to the consumers.
1: I was, I'm in the state of Virginia, and I experienced the. I live in a in a high-rise steel and concrete building.
0: Oh, so you were near the earthquake? You were very close to it.
1: Well, uh, it's about uh, 70 miles away, and my, uh, my apartment shook like crazy, and every picture on my wall is crooked. Uh, I uh, wrote about the the experience, and uh, one of the issues that's rather important is not in the news, is that there are casks of spent fuel stored at the site, and they weigh about 115 to 117 tons of these. And with the earthquake, those casks moved four inches, 115-ton casks.
0: Filled with radioactive material, which is capable of creating great toxic effect. Um, If
1: they tipped over, I mean, it would have been a disaster.
0: Right. That was one of the nuclear bullets we barely ducked last summer one of the others uh, two of the others being the um uh hurricane irene bearing down right on the brunswick station which is uh, a ge mark 1 reactor and also in um in nebraska the fort calhoun nuclear reactor which was surrounded by floodwaters for over a month right So we've been in some very difficult nuclear situations. It appalls me, as a former journalist, it appalls me the extent to which the media is not covering the story in any kind of an all-encompassing way.
1: I I, I agree with you completely.
0: Right. Let's find out if there's anybody on the line who has a question for you would like to engage in this conversation. And you know who I'm talking about. Um, Yeah, I have a question, uh, and it deals with food and radiation. Um, how do we know? I mean, and I agree that Gaiacanus would be a great option, but if you don't have one, how do we know what we're eating is actually safe for us?
1: You don't. You simply don't know. Because uh, to my knowledge, no data are being published these days about any radiation in the food in the United States. I haven't seen any.
0: The one exception, which is uh, an early interview I did, was with Eden Foods, which is an holistic company that uh, deals quite a bit with the macrobiotic uh, population, people who eat macrobiotically. And they actually instituted their own testing system that they had to investigate and come up with by themselves in order to guarantee that the food they had was pure and that the workers who were unloading it and dealing with it were not anywhere at risk. But that is the only place that I'm familiar with where there is any kind of guarantee that um, the food is safe. I'm sorry, Tim, what? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, and, and my other question is about a Geiger counter. How accurate is it? I mean, you hear stories, and, you know, then you hear other stories, and how accurate are they?
1: Well, I think they're pretty accurate. I mean, it's better than nothing, and a Geiger counter costs about about four, uh, 350 to $400, and, um they will pick up, you know, gamma and um, beta radiation. And I think that um, certainly if somebody is in an area of, around a nuclear power plant or, as, you know, on the West Coast, I don't think it's a bad idea. It's not a bad investment.
0: Okay, what I per- Go ahead, Tim. No, I mean, do you have it linked to uh, to something like that? you can put out there
1: say it again please
0: put a link for like uh, you know for a house for a regular household geiger counter or whatever i
1: I could well i I, i'm hesitant to you know uh, advertise any products on my website but i have had a rat alert r-a-d-a-l-e-r-t for years and um Many years ago, before either of you were born, I worked at the atomic worked for the Atomic Energy Commission at the University of California in Berkeley and used a Geiger counter on a daily basis so i i you know I'm not concerned about the you know having ones and they they can they cost about four hundred dollars You can go on the web and and look for Geiger counters.
0: Yeah, my understanding is that there was such a crush of requests for them that uh they that all, they all got back ordered. Um but that even if something is not of the highest quality because they vary in quality, they still will show a differential if there is radiation present. The reading might not be As accurate as it would be in a higher end model, but at least it will show if something is present or not, and relatively whether it's, whether the background radiation has gone up or not. So it's. That's important. Yeah. And just to be aware, especially since I do live on the West Coast and um, I certainly have stopped walking around in the rain, even with an umbrella, even with Gore-Tex on, simply because um, there was recently a video, uh, Marco Kaltofin, maybe maybe mispronouncing his name. Did you see that one? No. Um, it 's uh, I, I can send you the link it, I also have it on uh, the nuclear hot seat um, facebook page, but he 's a researcher into radiation and what is actually present uh in the air and in the dust and the particulate matter and it was about a 23 24 minute video that was um, quite informative as to what was being sent out and um, how it has been showing up and uh he talked about rain outs as being the place where uh places where the rain happens to coincide with a dense area of radiation and it comes to earth which is why in very odd places there can be a radiation spike that doesn't seem to make any sense but there you have it
1: you're you're absolutely correct on that and one of the biggest radiation falls happened in around albany new york after one of the nuclear test blasts and in nevada and it was carried all that way and then there was a big thunderstorm and it rained rained out the radiation over albany you're you're correct on the the ra- the high level of radi of rain that you do bring down radiation
0: right uh, it's. I mean, it's just uh, to get into this arena and then to start to find out for how many years this has been going on and how much of the planet has been toxed by uh, radioactive fallout is a little bit frightening because it's like we didn't really see it, and yet there it is, and it's been happening all along. And uh, now we really do have to take as steps that we can for our health and to see if we can turn this thing around. So, uh, Dr. Sherman, is there anything you can suggest to us, um, either health-wise or politically, where we might be putting some attention right now that will be of greatest assistance um, to changing the way things are in the world in nuclear matters?
1: Well, I think every citizen has to get involved and say we must close these nuclear power plants. They they are, you know, they said, you know, Fukushima is... A very strong example of what it's going to do to the, the economy, the health of Japan and the people. It's just terrible. And I think we need to mobilize people to get these plants closed across the country. Certainly, I think a fifth of the, of the population of the United States lives within uh, 50 miles of Indian Point that's on the Hudson River. We need to close these plants.
0: And then dismantle them and then find out what in the world we can do with the radioactive mess we have created.
1: Well, that, that's that's the next point, yes. But better that they should be closed and we deal with uh, the radioactive uh, materials than to keep them running.
0: So a final question. How might we support you and the work that you are doing?
1: Well, I hope that you will have people go to my website. I hope you will have people... Um, Read the Chernobyl book. It's very dense science, but it's really important that people know what has happened in the 25 years since Chernobyl. The book was originally published by the New York Academy of Sciences and priced at $150. And we got back the copyright, and we now have a printer who has the book available for 10. And um, Is I it available think... right now? Yes, ma'am.
0: Please give your website.
1: It's www and Janet is spelled J A N E T T E Sherman S H E R M A N dot com, and the book is available. And I hope people will read it. For ten dollars, I mean, you might save your life and the life of your children.
0: Here's hoping people purchase it and do exactly that with it and that we all get together and um, get these things taken care of and um, turned off, dismantled, and then figure out what we're going to do with, um, with the mess that we have made. And one final thing, Dr. Sherman. When you do have that report up and ready to go, please would you let us know so that we can help you break the news to the public.
1: We absolutely will. I can't. It's embargoed until January, but I certainly will, yes. And I thank you so much for all you're doing and to get this information out to the public. It's absolutely needed.
0: We all have to do what we can. This is my contribution, and thank you so much for yours.
1: You're very welcome. I try. Okay. <laughs> Stick around for the rest
0: of the podcast if you want. I've got lots of stories left.
1: I will. I am going to listen, if I may.
0: Absolutely. It's it's my honor to have you here.
1: And I want to put your program on uh, the, the link onto my website when, it, when you can send it to me. Uh, terrific,
0: and when I can figure out the tech on how to do that, trust me, I will. <laughs> okay. Boomer Luddite here. And anyway, moving on with the news after that wonderful interview uh, with Dr. Jeanette Sherman. Um, looking at Japan... Um, There are a number of tweets and articles and a growing unrest among the Japanese people in and around Fukushima because they are fed up with what they are calling, quote, a shroud of secrecy, and they are starting to smuggle journalists into the exclusion zone uh, because they must rely on the media for help. It is absolutely crucial. And according to a Japan Times editorial, "'Increasingly, those forced from their homes as a result of the disaster are fed up with this shroud of secrecy thrown over Fukushima plant and the abandoned towns and villages where families have lived for centuries. The less media coverage there is, the more they worry that their plight will be forgotten, and the less pressure there will be on TEPCO to cough up proper compensation.' That appears to be one reason some are starting to take the law into their own hands and smuggling journalists into the forbidden zone. And for a culture that is based on compliance, uh, this is really revolutionary behavior on their behalf. Now, there are rumors circulating via Twitter in Japan that many more Fukushima workers are dead than has been revealed. Um, This from a story in The Economist which details conditions outside of the stricken plant. Quote, patrol cars stop passing vehicles, notes the reporter. The police are particularly vigilant in preventing unauthorized people getting near the stricken plant. And another one, the air of secrecy is compounded when you try to approach workers involved in the nightmarish task of stabilizing the nuclear plant. Many are not salaried TEPCO staff, but low-paid contract workers lodging in Iwaki, just south of the exclusion zone. Uh, they seem to have been recruited from the poorest corners of society. Now, according to Hiroyuki Watanabe, an Iwaki official, there are, quote, many safety breaches. One worker said he only got 30 minutes of safety training before being sent into the plant. Workers are wading through contaminated water complaining that their boots have holes in them and some are not instructed in when to change the filters on their safety masks. Now TEPCO is shielded by two things, a lack of media scrutiny and also a gag order in the contracts of anyone who works for the plant that they are banned from discussing the work with outsiders and that all requests for media interviews must be rejected. These are terms of employment for TEPCO. Meanwhile... Hospital workers are leaking information, again, through tweets. This is from Fukushima Diary, which is a very valuable source I've been relying on. Uh, They've been leaking information about a recent increase in acute leukemia, uh, not only in the Fukushima area but possibly in the Tokyo area. Uh, The tweets are from a medical staff of a hospital and uh, cases of acute leukemia is unusually increasing, this is according to Mokizuki, who is the person who uh, runs this particular website. Most of the cases used to be lymphoma malignum, but the recent increase in acute leukemia is quote too obvious to ignore in a related story a sixty three year old TV newscaster has been diagnosed with acute lymphatic lymphocytic excuse me lymphocytic leukemia and is now hospitalized getting ready for chemotherapy. He felt a strange lump in his neck on October 28th, he says. Now, here's the important part. In his morning TV program on Fuji TV, he's been promoting Fukushima produce by eating them on the show repeatedly. So be careful what you are ingesting, and be careful the hubris of thinking that you don't have to pay attention to what's going on. Now, here is an honest story out of Japan about a food retailer displaying radiation levels of produce to the customers who are showing a very positive response to this honesty. Uh, if the radiation detection device installed in the outlet detects radioactive iodine or cesium in any produce, the figure is displayed next to the produce. The device can detect radiation levels of at least 10 becquerels per kilogram, The outlet has a special corner where it sells produce from Fukushima Prefecture. The area features 22 fruits and vegetables produced by JRAP Incorporated, which is a group of farmers in Fukushima, and they sell rice produced by the group from before the March 11th Tohono earthquake. Customers are provided with a list of radiation-level standards established by various nations. The list includes the figures for the Ukraine, which following the Chernobyl accident in 1986 has established standards much stricter than those being followed in Japan. For example, while the radiation levels for fruits and vegetables in Japan are 500 becquerels per kilogram, at least until April when it goes down to 50, in the Ukraine, the levels are 40 becquerels for vegetables and 70 becquerels for fruits. So posting the radiation level of the produce. I could just see that at Whole Foods next to this food was sourced in this country and here's the radiation level. Taking a more global approach, there's a French presidential candidate who proposes massive cuts to the nuclear industry. And currently in the polls, he holds a large lead over Sarkozy. Francois Hollande, pardon my pronunciation on that one, the socialist candidate in the forthcoming presidential elections in France, who has a hefty lead over Nicolas Sarkozy, the incumbent, has proposed cutting the nuclear sector's share of electricity provision to just half by 2030 from 82% today. Uh, his, his political party says France could replace much of its nuclear power supply from renewable sources such as wind farms and solar panels and a reduction of energy use. This is akin to what I've been proposing in certain of my speeches about the need for a Manhattan Project for Alternative Energy here in the United States. Now, of course, in France, senior nuclear officials have accused Hollande of being, quote, dictated to by his emotions, as though that doesn't have any validity at all. I say it has plenty of validity. And here's a really good piece of news out of Germany for people who still think that renewables uh, and energy alternatives can't hack it when compared to nuclear energy this is a report from reuters that germany has enough power capacity to make up for its planned exit from nuclear energy while ongoing grid and renewables expansion makes a supply surplus likely until 2020 that means germany would have enough power even if plants were to operate at below 50 percent efficiency in fact Germany has returned to net power exporting as of early October, reaching export volumes last seen before the nuclear moratorium, according to figures from the European Transmission Systems Operator. Now, windier-than-usual weather helped, but even without this factor, the German power market looks oversupplied, and this is in its bid to get itself off nuclear and into alternatives. Now, in every program, I like to try and provide a a holistic health tip that we can at least use to improve our health and perhaps our abilities to withstand any impact from, um, from the radiation and the toxicity that's coming towards us. And I want to talk a bit today about detoxifying. This is one of the most important steps we can take in maintaining our health throughout the year, whether we are exposed to radiation or not, because we're all being hit with heavy metals and atmospheric poisons and cell phone radiation and all the rest. We need to give our bodies a break through an internal cleansing. And this can be accomplished through herbal supplementation systems, the use of bulking agents such as apple pectin or oat bran, juice fasting, water fasting, detoxifying baths, or colon hydrotherapy. Now, you need to check with your primary doctor or holistic care provider to get cleared before starting any kind of a detoxification program. And this information is provided simply for educational purposes. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm just letting you know of few possibilities that are out there, and my attorney told me I have to say these things. Now, personally, personal information only, I've been using calcium bentonite clay dissolved in water or put in a smoothie, which makes it much more palatable, and also using freshly juiced organic fruits and vegetables, along with a wide range of supplements, which I do include green foods such as spirulina. It is best, again, that you consult with a primary care physician, a nutritionist, an herbalist, Chinese medicine specialist, or naturopath before embarking on any supplemental program. Now, finally, this activist piece of news out of uh, Japan. Nuclear hot seat contributor Kathy Iwane in Japan reports a small victory has taken place. She and her group, which consists of mothers who are concerned about the safety of their children, sponsored an international petition that read in part, quote, It is the belief of the undersigned that the dangerous radioactive rubble at Fukushima power plants and the other areas around must be left at the site of the disaster. Efforts must be focused on ending the ongoing fires at the plant, and people should be evacuated from the immediate area in accordance with radiation levels set before March 11th. All recent Japanese government policy changes to increase allowable radiation levels must be overturned to pre-disaster levels. And uh, this petition, which closed as of the 31st of October, was listed at one of my favorite websites, www.stopdammit.org, and that's spelled D-A-M-M-I-T. Now, Kathy reports that she and a group of mothers last Wednesday took the signed petitions to the prefectural government recycling section chief. Uh She reports that he, quote, held his pencil but took no notes. He reiterated that Wakayama had already refused rubble. However, he didn't quite understand that Osaka and Kyoto, which are both about an hour away, had not yet formally refused. And, of course, that is within dangerous area for uh, radiation. But... She goes on to say, we had three section chiefs from Waste Management at our meeting, and one chief echoed his personal agreement that it would be morally impossible to have other civil servants below him handling such radioactive rubble at any local incineration facility. A little bit of awareness, a small local victory, and of such small victories are major changes begun. Now, here's my suggestion as activists to all of us. Let's go out and attend our local community, city, and county governmental meetings and bring up our nuclear concerns. We're all somewhere in proximity to a nuclear dump, a processing plant, a a nuclear reactor that's supposed to generate electricity. We need to have our elected officials aware of the fact that we have concerns and move them to do something about it. One day at a time, one step at a time, one action at a time, we can turn this thing around. And we must, because what's at stake is the future of life itself. So doing the nuclear math, this is day 242 for each of the three melted down nuclear reactors and the fuel pond, meaning if we just count the reactors, there have been 726 nuclear leakage days, since Fukushima began, we are just a few days shy of an equivalent of two years of nuclear leakage. And, uh, if we divide these, uh, 726 days by, uh, the 10 days that Fukushima was in active meltdown, which Fukushima is still in active meltdown, we would have the equivalent of over 72, uh, Chernobyl's happening. So, this has been Nuclear Hot Seat for Tuesday, November 8th, 2011. You can find us and links to previous programs by going to Nuclear Hot Seat by Comp. I'm having a little trouble accessing the site right now, so you might want to switch over and do your downloads from the Nuclear Hot Seat page on Facebook. We're also up on iTunes, and you can subscribe for free so that you never need miss a single update. If you have a lead to a story or information to divulge, please send me a message on the Facebook Nuclear Hot Seat page, and I'll get back to you and see what I can do about getting it on the podcast. In closing, this is Libby B. Haleby of Heartistry Communications, the heart of the art of communicating, reminding you that we've all had our nuclear wake-up call now. Do not go back to sleep. Thanks, everybody. Be safe, be well. I will speak with you again next week. Take care.